Well, friends, it's great to be here. Uh, my name is Pete Stacey. I'm the evening pastor here. And uh, I'm excited because we had youth back on this week. And we had seven people from Year 6 uh, who've been dying to finally come to youth. So that was really exciting and uh, kind of changed the dynamics a bit as well. Uh, so that was good. Uh, at the other end of the uh, youth spectrum, we've got our Year 12s who are currently sitting their HSC exams. So I would encourage you to keep supporting them in your prayers. Uh, as we come to this, this new series in uh, 1 Thessalonians, we heard a bit of the background uh, to this letter in that reading, the first reading from the book of Acts. Acts chapter 17 tells how Paul went to the city of Thessalonica and for just three weekends, three Sabbaths, bef- uh, he was there uh, before he was chased out of town. Uh, quite a nice reception, isn't it? But a lot of good happened in that three weeks. He went straight to the Jewish synagogue, uh, which was always his strategy because people uh, already had a knowledge of God and he, uh, his top priority was to show them from the scriptures that Jesus is the promised Messiah and that by believing in his death and his resurrection, uh, that's how we can be saved for eternity. Acts chapter 17 verse 4 says there were three types of people who responded to that message. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Uh, And then what we also saw in that that reading was that some of the Jews uh, really didn't respond too well. In fact, they violently opposed Paul and the gospel about Jesus. They accused Paul, this is interesting, uh, verse 7, of defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king called Jesus. They're really trying to turn the Romans against Paul and Silas. Uh, well, it resulted in a violent confrontation, and um, as we heard, Paul and Silas had to kind of escape from the city. Imagine Paul, such a short time. Other places, he'd been there for, for 18 months, two years, uh, three weekends. Not long, is it? And he's leaving. I imagine he's worried that these brand new Christians will not survive such opposition. So a while later, they're down in Corinth, and he sends Timothy back to find out how they're going. And the news is good, like, like really good. Uh, it's absolutely wonderful news. Uh, the church is surprisingly healthy given its traumatic beginning. When he hears this wonderful news, he writes two letters to encourage and teach and strengthen them. In their faith. Uh, this term, we're going to look at the first of those letters, the letter uh, 1 Thessalonians. Let's ask God for his help as we begin. Let's pray. Dear Father, as we look at this letter, written to real people with real problems in a culture that was not friendly to their Christian faith, quite similar to us today, please help us to listen and learn and marvel and respond with humble and joyful obedience for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, please do keep your Bibles open. I've got a few verses on the screen, but it'll be really helpful. It's a short passage. So I want to kind of work through it and hopefully reveal some of the wonderful truths that are simply there for our encouragement. Now, the shape of this uh, letter is very typical of ancient letters. Uh, the introduction, you know, he introduces himself, and you say who it's to. Sometimes they'd add like some flowery compliments to try and butter up, especially if they're asking for something. Uh, and then add a, a, some sort of formal uh, greeting, and then launch into whatever it is you have to say. What I like about Paul here is that he uses a conventional format, but he Christianizes it. He, he, he does a lovely thing. Have a look at it with me. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, that's who it's from, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Immediately focusing them. Note where the church is located. Geographically, in Thessalonica. Spiritually, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, if... You have put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You belong to God. You have been permanently and eternally adopted into his family and nothing can change that. What a marvellous truth. And then he adds, grace and peace to you. And we kind of gloss over that bit because that's what Paul always says. But maybe that means it's important. I mean, imagine if it was the other way around. Peace first and then get a bit of grace. Yeah, kind of make peace with God. Try and be good enough to please him, earn a bit of his favour, oh, and then he'll show you some kindness. Perhaps you know people that treat you that way. He might even forgive you if you're really good. What a crushing burden. None of us, by our character, or achievements can ever win God's favour by being good enough. None of us. That's why grace from God must come first. God's undeserved, unmerited kindness shown in the sacrificial death of Jesus paying for our sin on the cross. Having received grace from God, we then enjoy real peace with him. Friends, some of us struggle to keep it around that way. Don't we? Grace first, and with grace comes peace. Then he launches into the things that are on his heart. I love it. First of all is an outpouring of of fervent prayer and thanksgiving. Uh, when was the last time you did that? Poured out your heart to God in earnest, grateful prayer for other people. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's so refreshing. I don't know about you, but, but so often it's easy to focus on myself. Not here. He's focused on, on others. Just the joy and love of seeing God at work, growing and maturing the faith love and hope of these dear friends of his. Those three things, faith, hope and love, they're the greatest marks of a true believer. 
But what do they mean in practice? Kind of wafty words. Paul helps us. Look at the words. He's attached to them. Uh, uh, I think we've got this on the screen. Verse 4. Work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. It's very practical, isn't it? Very down to earth. The first one seemed like an odd pairing, works and faith. I mean, elsewhere, Paul goes to great lengths to show that we're saved by faith and not by works, like trying to separate them. So how do they fit together? Well, we are saved by trusting, by faith in God's promises to us in Christ. Then, well, if we trust him, we're going to do what he says. We're actually going to trust that what he says is better than anything I might come think of myself. See, works of obedience are clear evidence of real faith, of real trust. God knows best. You can see it down in verse 9. You see, they turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Whatever they trusted in before, they now left behind and trusted in God. And, and that's how their lives were shaped. Radically changed lives. What about labour prompted by love? Well, I see a lot of that in this church, and it's easy to come up with examples. One I'll choose, like Friday, nearly a dozen people gave up a few hours of their time to prepare and serve over 40 people from our community at our mobile community pantry. Uh, and even, um, you know, sadly, when one of our visitors did the wrong thing, they responded with godly wisdom and compassion and prayer. That's labour prompted by genuine love. Love for God, but love for people. As for endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. I've visited an elderly lady in a nursing home recently. Um, she's not able to join us anymore uh, because of her health. And I thought, aren't I doing a good thing? You know, I hope she's really encouraged by me coming and, and, and visiting her. Well, as I sat there holding her frail hand, I was deeply moved by her delight, the delight in her face because of her love for Jesus and the certain hope of seeing him soon. It was like he was sitting like literally on the arm of the lounge in between us. It was quite incredible. Her hope was so real. Jesus was so real. You know what it's like when you're going to go on a holiday. You can't plan it. But, but as it's getting closer, I mean, especially if you're a kid, you get really, really excited the closer the day gets. Oh, we're going on holiday tomorrow. We don't tend to think of our own death like that, do we? But here she is, like, so excited. She's going to see Jesus soon. It's a bit like verse 6 says, by, by his Holy Spirit, God has filled her heart with true joy. Needless to say, I was the one deeply encouraged by her, not the other way around. <laughs> and can I say, very humbled. And, uh, well, here I was thinking I was the, the young fellow going in, but she did make a comment on my greying hairs. <laughs> We're not that dissimilar. 
Uh, it's fascinating as we read through this opening section to see what it says about God. You see, God is mentioned seven times, but then we see Jesus or, or Son or Lord six times and Spirit, the Spirit of God, mentioned twice just in these ten verses. That's 15 times in ten verses. Now, most of you have probably heard of the word Trinity before. It's a word that kind of helps us understand that, that God is one God uh, and at the same time three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are one God. They eternally exist in perfect, loving harmony. So much so that the Bible usually uses the singular pronoun like he, not they, when talking about God. And yet, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are distinct from one another. Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross. Not God the Father, not God the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. Perfect unity. Tri-unity. Trinity. Does that kind of make sense? If it ever does, just explain it to me later. <laughs> it's a wonderful, marvellous truth, and I'm going to show you in just a moment how wonderfully helpful it is. Uh, and it's not just a New Testament idea either, by the way. You know where this idea starts? Genesis chapter 1, the very first chapter of the Bible. Uh, back in chapter 1, verse 26, uh, it says there, Then God, singular, said, Let us, plural, Make people in our image, in our likeness. It's just a hint, but right there in the very first chapter of the Bible, uh, we've got a hint that God is somehow one, but at the same time more than one. Well, the important thing for us springing from this passage is this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit working together, perfect harmony in the heart and mind of everyone who puts their trust in Jesus. How does he do that? Well, if you trust Jesus, be encouraged from these verses. Verse 4, God loves you. Again in verse 4, God has chosen you. Verse 5, we see that through the gospel, he has called us and given us his Holy Spirit. As we see illustrated in verses 7 and 8, God has saved us and radically changes us. And verse 10, God helps us to persevere right to the very end. It's good, isn't it? Deeply encouraging. God is at work in us. God made you, loved you, saved you, and only he can bring out the very best version of you. And he promises to do that for everyone who puts their trust in him. In our time remaining, let's look at the difference God brought about in the Thessalonian believers. Having heard the gospel from Paul, they then imitated his way of life. Paul says, see the end of verse 5, You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. Friends, that is a sober word to me and to John 
and to Amanda and all who are in ministry leader, leadership here at church, our lives should be worth copying. Now, we're not, not the Apostle Paul, right? We're not apostles, but God has placed us in a position of influence and leadership in the church. Our attitudes should be worth copying. Our motivations and our behaviour, the way we speak, should be worth copying. We should be living examples of people who are, who are trying to imitate the Apostle Paul, who was trying to imitate the Lord Jesus Christ. And I really appreciate the times uh, when a godly friend has pulled me up on something. <laughs> like Proverbs 27 uh, verse 6 says, Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an em enemy multiplies kisses. Don't you love the Proverbs? <laughs> I love the way it expresses it. Uh, so please pray for us. Please pray for us that we will be godly examples for you and for those uh, around us. But look at the wonderful result of that godly leadership in verse 7. He's now speaking to the church as a whole. You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. That's a, that's a region. That's a large area. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, he's expanding it even further, your faith in God has become known everywhere. That's astonishing. From a three-week you know, church plant, <laughs> he's had to desert. What an amazing, amazing uh, fruit God has brought in, a, in that church. Here is an ancient church in a hostile city radiating the love and grace and compassion of Christ to those around them. Friends, may that be true of us here. Not so we can become puffed up with pride but so that our community knows where they can find God. Because it's obvious that everyone who comes to this church has been wonderfully and radically changed by his power. And notice how they changed. Verse 9 says, They turned to God from idols to follow the true and living God. Kind of implies that the idols are not true and not living. They're false, dead things. Uh, but they're things that we allow to take God's place in our hearts. Why do we do that? I think the reason we so easily fill our hearts with idols is because we have deep human needs. Needs actually that were put there by God in the first place. Needs that we long to have satisfied. Needs that can only be perfectly satisfied by a relationship with the God who made us for himself. The great theologian Calvin once said, our hearts are idol factories, which is so good at inventing things to take God's place. What are some of the things that uh, we, we have, uh, some of the needs that we have? Security, safety, that need to feel provided for, meaning in life, a purpose to live for, a sense of identity. Who am I? We all need to love and be loved. We want to know where we've come from and where we're going. Have a sense of hope for the future. Oh, we could go on, couldn't we? What sort of idols do we turn to? Money. How do you know when you've got enough money? 
How much is enough? A little bit more than what I've got right now. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? I like that. What about food? Can't be honest. Who opens the fridge door when you're feeling a bit down? <laughs> who, who has that secret stash of chocolate that no one in the rest of the family knows about? Yeah, I've had to change my hiding hole so many times. Ah, oh, kids. Man. What about shopping? Who's a retail therapist? <laughs> Classic. Did we get that on tape? <laughs> some some turn to success. Oh, I know. I know he usually travels with Yvonne too. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you know, Linda. <laughs> so, some turn to success, don't they? Striving to be the best in in sport or, or in academics. And some self-medicate with alcohol or sexual fantasies, or, or some form of drugs. Now, for the most part, those things aren't all evil in themselves. A couple of them are, but not all. They're actually good gifts from a loving God. But we ruin our lives if they take God's place in our hearts. And some of you know from painful experience of following perhaps one or more of those idols, for too long, the damage that it can wreak in your heart, your life personally, your marriage, family, and on it goes. The Thessalonians trusted God where they once trusted idols. Friends, we all need to do this too. As a result, their lives were radically changed. Same people, but completely different in character because they now loved and followed Jesus. And he knows what's best. Only he can bring out the best version of each one of us. Now, I have a very average veggie garden at home, but sometimes I go down and I pull the grubs off my cabbages. But a few I miss. And they get to make their cocoon. And what comes out? A butterfly. Actually, probably, let's be honest, a cabbage moth. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's still an amazing transformation, isn't it? Especially when it comes to the speed at which they can travel. Um, see how the change continues in the Thessalonian believers. Verse 9, you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And, and look at what happens. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead. That's a really helpful summary of the Christian life. Turn, serve, wait. Turn from idols, repentant of any sin in our lives. That's the thumb pointing backwards over our shoulder. Serve God now by joyfully obeying him as we wait for our living Lord Jesus to return and take us home. Turn, serve and wait. As a kid, I lived on a small farm outside Parks. One day that crisp spring air turned to smoke. The grass fire heading towards our place. In no time at all, there were fire brigades at work and uh, uh, fighting the blaze uh, that had now spread to about a 500-metre front, ripping across this grass paddock. Fortunately, no one was injured. 
But we could see the value of a controlled burn downwind. See, when the fire got to the uh, already burnt ground that they'd lit, it had no fuel and it quickly died out. Where the fire had already burned, it could not burn again. Have a look at verse 10. The fire of God's wrath is coming against human sin. But Jesus rescues all who trust in him. Jesus took God's wrath against sin when he died on the cross. The wrath of God's fire, uh, God of God's anger against sin has already burned. Jesus' death on the cross. Which means that standing with Jesus is like standing where the fire has already burned. So on the day of judgment, when that wrath of God comes against human sin, if you're standing with Jesus, the fire won't burn again. You are safe. Friends, that is the gospel of God's grace. That is the good news that we speak. That is the good news that we build our lives upon. Turn to Christ. Serve him with joy. And wait for Jesus to return with confident, joyful expectation. Amen.